another day off. Yes, we said two days. That was day one, now day two. Should we like be transparent about the fact that we're doing a double? Uh, or, no? Okay, today is Wednesday, October 25th. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> Today's Tuesday. No, it okay. is, it is, it is. Yesterday, I met um, a friend of mine, musician, long curly hair, left wing, left, left, left wing. There is no room for the uh, left, really left, left, okay? I go to his studio, put in the, this warm speaker, songs of a Velvet Underground. We did cocaine, and he told me the Gaza story okay. from his perspective. As, as when he was a soldier? No, no. Like, the, the way oh, he, like the way he sees the situation. Yeah, so we drink and we do what we do, and, okay. and, and he tells me all the story. And what I want to ask you... It's a question that is mancha. A topic for discussion. Nice. A topic for discussion. Or like Linda Richmond. Did you ever see Linda Richmond on SNL? Yes. The Mike Mar- a topic for discussion. <laughs> topic for discussion. Coffee dis- talk. Like you really pro-Israel and uh, yeah, and of course, blah, blah, blah. But maybe we are the bad guy. Okay. Topic for discussion. Talk amongst yourselves. She also <laughs> says that. She's like, topic for discussion. And then she goes, talk amongst yourselves. The, the Madonna one. The Madonna and with Barbara Streisand. Barbara, Barbara oh Streisand. I, I, I don't know if I can do the accent. You do it very well. Regarding the topic of discussion, obviously, it's a fucked up situation. Obviously, the idea of... Um, this region as the national home of the Jews uh, caused problems and caused populations uh, to move. Yes, there are many problems. We, as Jews, uh, are the reason for some of these problems, not for all of these problems. Uh, you, you can't uh, deny that. I tried to read a little bit about the, the history of Gaza because my, my family asked me, like my kids and my wife asked me, what, what, why is this happening? I mean, we're not there. A lot of people say you're occupying. Israel uh, uh, pulled out of the Gaza Strip 20, 20, uh, about 20 years ago. Um, we're not occupying Gaza uh, any longer. We're outside of Gaza. So why are they fighting? Okay, there are many refugees. From what I understand, a large part of the population of the Gaza Strip are not people who were native to that area I mean, this is three generations ago. So a lot of people over there are descended from refugees, from people who lived in the area that we now know as Israel, fled to the Gaza Strip, were for a while part of Egypt, for a while part of an occupation by Israel, and for the past 20-something years, self-governing to a certain extent under uh, Hamas. Listen, of course uh, uh, we are not... 100% good. Like, like what Amy talked uh, earlier about complexity, it's very, very complicated. We are not 100% good, and they are not 100% bad. It's not that easy. It's never going to be that easy. But the mistakes were made 
on many sides over the, over the decades. And I think today, after what we saw, I can say with a clean conscience that more mistakes were made on that side, that that population, with all the mistakes that we made, with all the bad things that we do, if you want to use that word bad, could have uh, made itself another destiny, could have handled it differently. Uh, it didn't have to lead up to this horrible violence. It didn't have to be only... I know very little about life in Gaza right now, but from what I see, the only thing on people's minds, regular people, is killing Jews. You see kids um, uh, in training for Hamas when they're five-year-old. You see people celebrating every horrible thing that happens in Israel, every horrible act of terror. It seems to me like, and I know I, I maybe get this wrong because I, I don't speak to people in Gaza and, and that's something hopefully maybe we can fix. But it seems to me that the only, th only thing on their mind is killing Jews and that they have no, a lot of people talk about the two-state solution. Nobody in Gaza is talking about a two-state solution. They don't want a two-state solution. They want all of it and they want all of us gone. Okay? That's what they're saying. And we need to believe them when they're saying Three that. Million, two million people, all of them think about it? I don't know. I don't know. But I get the feeling that if you had, let's say, let's imagine you're taking a poll, a poll for two million people in Gaza and ask them if they're willing to have a two-state solution where the Jews have a state and the Arabs have a state, they'll say, fuck no. <laughs> But how in 50 years we didn't do anything smarter than what's happening right now? That's what I'm trying to understand. Oh, whoa, whoa. okay. Wow. <laughs> I have so many things I want to say. Okay, okay. Is that okay? Okay. First of all, we don't know what 2 million people on the Strip think because True. Hamas is not only committing war crimes against Jews and non-Jews that are Israeli. Mm -hmm. What, like at least 60 Israeli Arabs have died. Yep. Druze soldiers have been killed. Yeah. People, um, have, a lot of people from Thailand, so many uh, So many workers. migrant workers. I mean, this is... True. But, but let's, let's peel back for a second. Hamas is committing and has committed and will continue to commit crimes against humanity against their own people. I agree. The Free Press and Barry Weiss and this other Center for Communication came out with something this week um, where someone from the Strip is talking about what happens if you're not a Hamas supporter and you yeah. live in the Strip. I remember that they were hanging people in the street. If they're, they're people who don't agree with them or try to have a, a different political uh, organization, they hang them in the streets. They also deny them medical treatment or they get, you know, preferential treatment for Hamas supporters. Um, a humanitarian that comes aid in and is not for sale is resold throughout the Strip. Um, Tons of stuff, right? So I, I think the first, the first things first is I think that we can safely assume that most people in the Strip don't want Hamas. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I agree. I, I totally, uh, I, I, the narrative you're talking about is free Palestine from Hamas. That's yes. the hashtag that, that we think smarter people, if you want to say free Palestine, if you want to say free Gaza, say free Gaza from Hamas. Say free Palestine from Hamas. That's the narrative you're saying. I, I want to believe that. I'm not sure. I don't know. 
I don't know if we give these people choice that they'll 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 say I want to be free from Hamas. I I don't know. Will we ever know? Will we talk to them? Will we hear that that voice? Other things that are also coming out in these interrogations that are really interesting. The interrogations of the terrorists of the terrorists that came out yesterday that were released a little bit more was released um, from the government's office. Yeah, about how if you if you bring back a, a uh, if you kidnap somebody, you get a house and ten thousand dollars or something. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of really bizarre stuff. But let's zoom out a little, shall we? Yes. I think that single issue focusing is one of the biggest thing that's polarized our society. Okay. So if we just look at the strip and we just look at the past 17 years, or if we just look at the past 70 years in this place, we're missing a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. We're missing a picture that includes, well, why are there so many Arab Jews living in Israel? Because mm-hmm. they've been expelled from Arab lands. Mm-hmm. What was going on during the British mandate? What about the Jewish massacre, the massacres of Jews? Yeah. preceding the state of Israel. Populations were moving from region to region all over the place. Beyond. And why did the independence war even start? And what's the role of the British Empire in this mess? I mean, if you're going to start pulling at one of the threads here, be my guest. Yeah. But start pulling at all of them. You yes. know what I mean? And I think drilling down and just being like, ooh, the Gaza Strip. And it's not just that we pulled out of the Gaza Strip. That Pulling out involved digging up Jewish graves, breaking down Jewish communities. There were farms and farm equipment that was even purchased by Jewish philanthropists that were pro-peace given mm-hmm. to the Palestinians in the strip. Like have have farm equipment, go nuts. Like here's my greenhouse. And they broke them down. Broke them down and burned them. It. That's yeah. what happened. And, and so if anyone wants to like really dig in, Don't just pull at one little issue or put the spotlight on one part of the puzzle. Pull back. Look at the bigger picture. Talk about everything. Let's put everything on the table. But if we're going to put everything on the table, this is going to take years. And there are people who literally have devoted their lives to this, to international policymaking, to Middle Eastern studies, people who are experts. And now we have people who barely have looked up Wikipedia articles on Palestine or whatever. They don't even know about the expulsion of the Jews from these lands. And now I'm supposed to be able to convince them and change their minds somehow? Impossible. It's not going to happen. I'm not satisfied because I see, I feel that I want to take the discussion. I want challenge to challenge us. you. We are the bad guy. Tell the truth. Okay, look. Let's I, hear it, Amy. I watched the news yesterday with a close friend. And in the span of 20 to 30 minutes of primetime news watching, it was a nine-year-old kidnapped boy's birthday. Mm-hmm. And... They were talking about how the family of the kidnapped boy is has asked everyone in the country to, you know, light a candle or celebrate or sing him a song or do something in his honor, which was incredibly moving. And I, I was really moved to tears. And then also seeing all the footage of, you know, Israeli Air Force bombing the Strip. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and... Of course we feel bad. We are not rejoicing in death. That is the difference between the two sides here. Yeah. We feel terrible about it. We do not want to be in this position. It doesn't sound like much, but it's, it's, uh, there's a big difference. It's a huge difference because yeah. some people are literally saying by any means necessary, they are using 
liberal values like freedom of speech to say we are rejoicing and exalting in the quote-unquote liberation or whatever the fuck, and we are rejoicing in the murder and the rape by any means necessary is what they're saying. And now the same people, when people are canceling them, putting them on blacklists, calling them out, using any means necessary, they're saying, wah, 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 it's not fair. Okay, back to the <laughs> back to answering uh, answering doors. Uh, I resent being put in a position of ma- being made to feel like a bad fucking person when we're defending an ongoing security threat. Yeah, and we're doing it carefully. That's the answer. That, I resent it. Yeah, re- we re- we resent the question. Yeah, we resent the fucking question. We resent the <laughs> accusation. We resent the accusation of being heartless pricks when we have such big hearts that there are people that are working harder. To make sure that, you know, the bigger questions are, why hasn't the northern part of the Strip been evacuated? Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to keep talking about collateral damage. I saw a brilliant international lawyer on the BBC yesterday, Natasha. I forgot your last name, but you were fucking fire, girl. And she really took the BBC presenter on who just kept trying to sway it to, well, we feel like Israel's violating law. And she's like, you could feel however you want, but it's just not true. Uh And you're doing morally reprehensible journalism by continuing to to throw this bullshit claim on Israel. Natasha. Natasha in the house. Let's get her on the podcast. She's my new favorite person. Wow, what a brilliant... And she's... I'm sorry, she's not a lawyer. She's a barrister. Ah. Super gorgeous too. Fire. Like this nice British accent. Let's get her on the pod. She was... I mean, honestly, I watched it twice. The good stuff you, you have here is the keep it keep it local and personal. You know what I mean? Nachon kilo. That's the. Yeah, that's unique value. How do we say? Do we want to talk about KPI? Do we want to talk about what is our KPI? By the way. I don't know. You guys want to explain KPI to me? I'm, KPI. I'm new to this game. After interview, like thousands of high tech. Boring people, I can tell you exactly what is KPI. Is no. it like an MVP? Key performance indicator. True, Motherfucker. yes, that's it. Okay, the, the tech people. We call them high techistim. Okay, for Dor and I, these are people who we work uh, with a lot. They really love podcasts and we work with them. We interview them. We have fun with them. Everyone's really nice. And we're jealous of them because they make a lot of money. There's something happening in the, the Israeli tech scene in light of October 7th, because, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what the fuck happened. How did this happen? Like, who, this was a failure of what? If you talk to, to left-leaning people, they'll tell you, oh, the military was so busy uh, securing uh, the, you know, the Sukkot from uh, Ben Gvir, right? The, they'll say, Bibi is to blame. Oh, we should explain that to our listeners. The yeah. tabernacles from the Sukkot festival holiday that culminated in Simchat Torah, which was October 7th. Right. And we're, we're talking about the movement of forces to protect those in the West Bank. Yeah. Left-leaning people will say, the military was so busy with all your right-wing bullshit that we lost, we lost track of what's happening in Gaza and this shit happened. The, the right-wing people make not a bad case. They're saying the military 
was so caught up in the mecha'a, in, right, in, in, in fighting the reform that, that you mentioned earlier. All the pilots were demonstrating, they're saying, we're not going to fight anymore, people uh, um, not showing up for Miluim. There is a case to be made, the right, you know, my right-leaning friends will say, the military was fucked, especially the Air Force was fucked, because all the Smolanim, all the lefties don't want to fight anymore, and all the generals are so busy talking about judicial reform, they lost the track of what was happening in Gaza. That's, I'm, just, I'm just saying that's an argument made. So we have the right argument made, the left argument made. Our crazy religious friends that I have, some of those, will tell you, oh, this is happening because of God. God is angry with us because we're homosexuals, because... God punished the people and the rave because they were dancing with no clothes on. People are saying stuff like that. Oh, and because of the, the like, um, they had a statue there, right? Behind the DJ booth. That was... Uh, and they, they said, oh, it was like they were worshiping idols, mm. right? For me, all three of these arguments are ridiculous. But wait, how does that relate to the high taquistic? Well, I'm getting there. Okay. The one, <laughs> the one explanation that I'm starting to understand is that we are so fascinated by high-tech as a country. The high-tech is what we look up to. High-techisting, we're so proud of our high-tech. The military was fascinated by high-tech and we got fucked by low-tech, okay? We were thinking like engineers, like programmers, like developers. They told us, remember when we interview high-techisting? No, no, we are developers. Everyone is thinking like high-tech developers, thinking of all this. No, 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 we, we don't have to have guns because we have these cameras and these uh, uh, sensors and we're, nothing is going to happen because we have all these really, really billions and billions of dollars spent on high-tech solutions. And in the end, we were fucked by low-tech stuff. They blew up a wall and came through with a Jeep, okay? Because the, the fucking high-techist team didn't think of this as a solution. I mean, we know this from talking to high-tech people. They only know their worldview. They think of problems in the way they think of problems. They're super intelligent people. They're super creative when it comes to coding, to engineering uh, uh, problems. They can't think like stupid people. They don't know how to think like children. They don't know how to think like stupid people. And they got, they got fucked on this. That's what I want to say about the high-techist team. And it'll be, there will be a reckoning. I think tech people working in the security industry, there will be a reckoning. They will start thinking about what, what were we focusing on with all our high-tech, so much money spent on lasers and, and, and satellites. And in the end, nobody was thinking like a, like a stupid uh, eight-year-old which is what you always have to, you always have to have one person who's not a high techist to think of maybe maybe the enemy is going to do this different before they went through the wall with the jeep correct me if i'm wrong here they used drones to take out the cameras along the yeah wall and so the drones Pretty high tech, no? No, but the, the drones are... Uh, my, my, my kid can fly that okay, okay. kind of drone. Now, about the kids and the stupid and the this and the that, I think kids are fucking brilliant. Yeah, but... Hold on. Okay. Okay. You know how the Jewish star of David has six points? Does it? Yeah, six points. I don't think that the way through this, and I don't think the road that got us here, rests on anyone or any group's shoulders. I, I agree. And... I think that there's an, a point where allocation of blame becomes counterproductive. 
especially if the the process of unpacking what happened isn't handled properly. Mm. Right now, there's a lot of screaming, there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of vitriol, there's a lot of deflection of blame. Yeah, there's going to be more. An allocation of blame elsewhere. I think that the road ahead in terms of reconciliation, in terms of healing... You're, you're saying between, between ourselves. Also between ourselves and also between us and our neighbors and mm-hmm. us and the, the world and, you know, inside of our families... Remember one of the first episodes we talked about how we'd had our first fight the night before and we talked it out and I said, I fucked up and I'm sorry. The New York Times came out with their, it wasn't an apology. You know how they reported that Israel bombed the hospital Mm -hmm. because (laughs) it's just too funny. I can't, I can't handle it. They, they took Hamas at their word. They took a terrorist organization at their word. Even Al Jazeera was like, uh, guys, Israel, you know, and then, and then they didn't come out and say, we fucked up. We're sorry. In New York times font, they wrote, uh, read here for what we have to say. Editor's note, the whole thing about how it was a tough call to make. I don't, really get what the tough call to make there was and how they need to powwow to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Completely ludicrous. I mean, this has been a paper of record for over a hundred years. This isn't new that you need to be relying on multiple sources and that you shouldn't take a terrorist organization at their word. And I think it's a very strong example of the kind of, you know, it's a story within a story that kind of reflects the wider story going on. Okay. I don't think that the solution is going to come from any one group. And I don't think that any one group is to blame. And I think that the eight-year-olds, just like during times of war, in times of peace, they have so much to contribute. This morning, I shaked it off. I shaked it off so hard that my iced coffee spilled on the floor. And I shaked it off. Do you know why I shaked it off? What are you talking about? You know, the Taylor Swift song, shake it off, shake it off. Okay. I shaked it off because I was sheltering in place with a family and their two and a half year old kid Ah. every morning would run around and just be like, shake it up, shake it up, like in her like two and a half year old speak. And I learned so much from her. There's so much for us to learn from each other. We have a huge advantage on every other generation in existence in that we have more generations alive simultaneously than ever before. There are people that are over a hundred years old and completely have their wits about them. They have so much to teach us. There's so many different kinds of people that we can be in instant touch with and they have so much to teach us. And this is a teaching moment. I want to, I want to believe that this is a huge teaching moment. Maybe this is the moment that everyone snaps out of it and is like, holy fuck. Everyone says, we all played a part in this. We will all help pave the way out of this together. Let me walk it back. I'm not blaming the high-techies team by any means. I'm just saying among the narratives out there about what happened, uh, this is a narrative that, uh, that uh, uh, I think deserves a discussion. And I completely agree about the, the eight-year-olds. I think if the high-techies team would listen to the eight-year-olds, maybe, maybe uh, they'll, they'll figure out some more solutions for more things. But not blaming, uh, uh, really, um, of course not. There's no one person or faction or, or section uh, to blame. This was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm. Everything they wanted to do, they managed to do. Everything that could go wrong on our end went wrong. Uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll take a lot of uh, strength to keep from inner fighting. 
I, I, I don't know how, how that's going to go. In terms of low tech, and I'm happy you said what you said, and I didn't feel like you yourself were allocating blame. It's just more of a wider it was thing. A little, that, maybe I was a little bit. <laughs> but the low tech solutions, I was really moved. I had a, a call with a friend today. He's a musician and he went down to, he went up, he went to one of the places where a lot of the survivors from the music festival have yeah. been staying together on a on a beautiful ecological farm and there are healers there. I, I even have goosebumps talking about it. There's a world of love and care um, and support yes. that's rallied around from all the healers in the country and musicians. And yeah. I and I called them and said, do you guys need more people? Is there anyone in my network that I can get over there? You know, um, I wish I was a certified healer and I could go myself even just to hug people and hold them when they cry, you know, to, to just hold space. And in terms of low tech, I think one of the biggest problems crippling our society is the widening socioeconomic disparity. And when you think about people like our teachers mm -hmm. and our nurses and people that are in economies of care and how little money they make as compared to people in other industries. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that as a society, we can begin to value Everyone, and it's not that I'm advocating for like communism or socialism or something like that, but mm. I think we can all agree that a lot of people that are doing God's work, not just in times of war, also in terms of times of peace, deserve to live a life that is dignified. They deserve a living wage. And it's time that we really start healing also those economic aspects of society. I mean... B -b -b Amen. Bezrat Hashem. I just, uh, I think there's so much uh, things that are more burning. I can't even go that far. Like you, 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 you're talking about solving big, big things. I, I feel like I'm still in survival mode. I'm still in shock mode. I want to make sure I can live. Let me get through this. We'll talk about giving the nurses and the school teachers more money for sure. Yes, I'm behind it. But it'll take a, a little while. We'll do this again. Don't worry. I would. I honestly, I, I could keep next time. Binyamina, get, get, hop on a train. Let's do it in Binyamina. We could. We could also take a car. And just you know, whatever. Um, we will. We edit that out. We don't want to. You know, seem like we don't care about the environment, right? Thank you so much, Jonathan. This has been such a treat. Thank you. It was I, a treat for me as well. I could talk to you forever. I could just chop it up with you all day long. Let's chop it up. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan Gall, for being an immaculate co-host. Thank you to Shema Productions, to Dor Comet, Maya Schlesinger. I'm Amy Sapan. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned. <laughs>